today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I would always kind of imagine Jesus like with this disdain and this disgust in his voice like, Oh, ye of little faith. No! I mean, this picture I have of the Savior is one of Him being so loving, so kind, so gentle. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. It's tempting to imagine Jesus as harsh towards His disciples, but as Pastor J.D. shows us today, that's not the picture given to us in the Bible. In fact, prophecies in the Old Testament point to a shockingly gentle Savior. And the Gospels show us a Christ who is so compassionate that children flocked to Him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 42 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We're going through the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we are currently in the amazing book of Isaiah. We finished chapter 41 last week, and so we're going to pick it up, chapter 42, and I would invite you at this time, if you're not already there, to turn there. And once you do, if you would please join with me, let's pray, and we'll ask God to bless our Bible study and our time together in His Word. Oh Lord, (laughs) thank you so much for your Word at such a time as this, and for this time that we have where we can just come to this, your church, Lord, many of us are just super stressed and just so much pressure right now and so much in the way of confusion. We know that you're not the author of confusion. So much in the way of anxiety and fear and uncertainty. And Lord, we know that if faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, then so too, conversely, fear comes by hearing and hearing the world. And so, Lord, we're here because we want to hear You as You speak into our lives in and through Your Word. We need to hear Your voice, Lord. There's so many voices clamoring for our attention, the threatening voices out there. Lord, we need to hear your voice. We need to hear your word. Lord, speak as only you can in that still, small, refining voice of the Holy Spirit. Lord, bless our time together. This is our time with you in your word. And so, Lord, bless our time together, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so I made the decision to only take chapter 42 because it's one of the most magnificent 
descriptions of what Jesus is like. And as we're about to see, Isaiah, by the Holy Spirit, is going to paint this powerful, prophetic portrait of the coming Savior of the world. You know how it is when you know someone, knows someone, and you want to know, what are they like? What are they like? Well, that's kind of what Isaiah is going to do for us. We're going to get this picture of what Jesus is like, who He is, and how He is. And really the takeaway is going to be that we can glean from it not only what Jesus is like, but in so doing, ask ourselves this question, are we like Jesus? Oh, this is what Jesus is like. Well, I want to be Christ-like. And oh, by the way, the not so often quoted verse after the very often quoted verse in Romans chapter 8, you know which one I'm referring to, Romans 8, 29. 28 comes before 29. Oh, we know it well, right? For we know that all things work together for the good to those that love God and are called according to His purpose. Oh, I love that verse. Thank you, Lord. All things work together for the good. But it doesn't just stop there. There's a qualifier that is found in the next verse, because In verse 28 we're told that those who are called according to His purpose. Okay, well now we've got to ask the question and answer the question of what's your purpose? Oh, so glad you asked. Verse 29, the purpose of God is to make us more like Jesus. He's conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. That's His purpose. Now we need to know what the fine print is, the terms of service, if I can say it like that. If you're anything like me, I know you do this because you're a lot like me, whether you want to admit it or not. But you know when you agree to the terms? Do you read all of that? That's what I thought. Neither do I. Click, click, come on, let's get this show on the road. Get this thing downloaded. I agree to these terms. Have you actually read through those? The the conditions that you're agreeing to, by the way. The fine print, as we used to say back in the day. Well, that's kind of what it is. See, this conforming into the image of Jesus Christ means that God's purpose is to make us more like Jesus. Okay? Well, what was Jesus like? So that I know that that's what I'm going to be made like, because I'm going to be made like Jesus. And so that's what we're going to see here. So you ready? With that introduction, (laughs) verse 1, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, 
my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Just in the first verse, in fact, the first few verses, right out of the chute, we start with this prophecy, and it's a prophecy that points to the person of Jesus Christ and His first coming. When this prophecy was fulfilled in Matthew's gospel, we have the record that it was fulfilled in chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. Matthew, by the Holy Spirit, says of Jesus, yet he warned them not to make him known that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold, my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. And then verse 19, which we're going to see now in verse 2 of Isaiah 42. He will not quarrel, nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench till he sends forth justice to victory, and in his name Gentiles will trust. Well, that's a a fulfillment of what we're now reading here in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 2. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street, a bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. I'm hoping you'll just maybe kindly indulge me for just a little bit on these two verses. Because I don't know if it's possible to overstate what this description of how Jesus was and is, what Jesus is like. I don't think it's possible to really overstate the nature of Jesus. Because this speaks to how Jesus is not rude or loud, like some people I know. (laughs) Rather, He's kind, compassionate, and gentle. Do you ever think about, especially when you're in the Gospels, what it must have been like? What Jesus must have been like? I wonder what his laugh was like. I think like that. Oh, you know he laughed, right? You know, this is a, I might as well just get this off my chest. Why not? You know those Jesus movies? You know the ones I'm talking about, right? I can't watch them. I'm sorry. You'll forgive me. I just can't. Because first of all, the portrayal of Jesus, he didn't look like that. That's the first problem, okay? He didn't look like that. 
I hate to ruin your night and your picture of Jesus, but he probably looked, well, kind of like me, Middle Eastern. (laughs) I'm so sorry about that, but that's (laughs) right. He did not look like that. That's why I, I stay away from any depictions of or portraits of Jesus. You know, the the most well-known one, he's got long hair and he looks, I don't even want to go there, I, that's enough on that. I just, that's, that's not what he looked like. And these movies portray him as, you know, being stoic and somber and, you know, come, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And then the actors are like, okay, you know. (laughs) No! It wasn't like that. He wasn't like that. I truly believe that just even the tone of his voice was so gentle and so loving. And, And I'll tell you, how I know that and why I believe that, because children would flock to him. He was so approachable. There had to be something about him that would be inviting to children, not intimidating to children. You know what, I mean, there's that account, you know it well, where the children are like flocking to him in what would seem like great numbers. So much so that the disciples were like, kids, get out of here. What are you doing? Go play on the H3. Of course, they didn't have the H3 back then, but you get the point. And what does Jesus do? You guys, no. Don't, don't forbid the children from coming to me. For such is the kingdom of heaven made up of these. Now you have to ask yourself the question. I mean, I know with me, when, it, when children see me, they run. They run from me, not to me. You know, because I mean, well, look at me, I guess, would be the answer to that dilemma. But there had to be something so approachable. I mean, just visually, and I would even say audibly, when he spoke, there was just such a, a loving tone in his voice. You know, even with the disciples, you know, all the accounts when, you know, he calms the storm and, you know, they're, they're like waking him up. He's in the boat sleeping in the middle of a, a hurricane, I guess, and they wake him up. He's like, why'd you wake me up? Uh, do you see what's happening? We're all going to die. And so Jesus calms the storm, and then it's usually followed up whenever he does something like that in the Gospels with, oh, you of little faith. You know, when I was younger in the Lord, and growing in grace, and maturing in Christ, and learning the Word, I would always imagine, of course, you know, it's probably my temperament, But I would always kind of imagine Jesus like with this disdain and this disgust in his voice, like, oh, ye of little faith. No. I mean, this 
picture I have of the Savior is one of Him being so loving, so kind, so gentle, so compassionate, that children would flock to Him. And this is what Isaiah is prophesying here concerning Him. Look at this imagery. you got a bruised reed, and you come upon that bruised reed, and he doesn't break it. I imagine him taking that bent over, bruised, bus up reed, and straightening it up. And then in concert with that bruised reed, you've got this smoldering wick. It's, it's burning, it's barely, barely hanging. I know how those candles are. I'm learning a few things about candles. My wife's taught me a few things about candles. You know, you could buy some really cheap candles. They're worthless. You know, they don't last that long. And what really irritates me, I've just, I guess I've got a lot of things to get off my chest, but what really irritates me is that you pay this money for this candle, and then the wick doesn't burn all the wax in the candle. You, you try to light it, and you use, you know, $500 worth of that, you know, with that lighter, and you're trying to light this thing, and that thing will not stay lit. That's what the picture we have here. So you come up across this. It's, it's barely, <laughs> barely a glow and and what does Jesus do? He rekindles it. You know, broken things we devalue and we throw them away. Not with Jesus. Jesus values brokenness. You know, in the Gospels I'm quite taken back by how Jesus was attracted to the least and the last, the broken people, the weak, the weary. You know the harshest words that ever came from the Savior's mouth were reserved for the religious leaders of the day. I mean, He called them names like, you viper, you snakes. Oh, where's the love? No, that. How about that one account? And this makes us understandably uncomfortable. The account when he goes into the the temple, and they're taking advantage of God's people, the money changers at the tables there. I mean, talk about the picture of Jesus being completely thrown out the window. That's not, <laughs> keep in mind, he was a very hard worker, worked for his dad. We affectionately refer to him as the carpenter, but there are some Bible scholars and commentators that suggest that it was not really lumber, but stones. Now think about that. I, I imagine him being pretty rough and tough. 
Not this, you know, with the long hair. And again, I'm sorry. I, I, okay, that's the last time I'll, I, I hope, Lord help me, because I just, um, you know, it's interesting. In Revelation, we're told that when we see Jesus, we are going to be just stunned, astonished when we behold Him. We're in for a, a, a real shock, actually. So this picture that we get painted on the canvas of this prophecy is one of a compassionate, kind, gentle man, God-man, very loving. And again, I, I hope that throughout our study of this chapter, that we, I'll include myself, will allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts concerning if this is what Jesus is like, am I like Jesus? Is God making me more compassionate with people? Patient, gentle, long-suffering, by the way, this is all from the Holy Spirit, right? Galatians 5. That's another verse we quote very often. Have you ever really gone through that list? How far do you get before you're busted? I mean, I, I usually make it to patience. Busted. <laughs> I'm so impatient. You know what impatience says? My time is more important than yours. Impatience says, I am more valuable than you. Do you know who I am? That's pride. And it is the antithesis of meekness, and that is from the Holy Spirit. Let me say it like this, and I'm going to, no, I'm just going to say it. I mean, here it is. It just is what it is. We are never more like Jesus than when we are meek and humble. And we are never more like Satan than when we're proud. Think about that. I want to be like Jesus. Well, that means that you need to be humble because Jesus is the personification of humility. Being meek, not weak, as we're going to see now in verse 4. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands, the coastlands having this idea of being the far off lands, and the coastlands shall wait for his law. Did you catch that? Oh, he might be gentle, and he's not going to break this bruised reed. He's not going to snuff out or throw out this smoldering wick. But never think for a moment that because he's meek, he's weak. 
You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from Isaiah with Pastor J.D., make sure to really think about what you're hearing and what God wants to speak to you today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly to grow in relationship with God and others. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Isaiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages on our website. We encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and In Spirit and Truth. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with the old wind.